Good morning. When Barry asked me about three weeks ago if I would speak today, I first had to think about whether I would do it and prayed, and because he asked me to talk a little bit about the second coming of Christ. And uh, unfortunately for you, that means we're going to be here till New Year's. And trust me, it would be very easy to do that. But one of the things, as always, when I speak, I always try to reference this verse, speaking of the Bereans, that these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. One of the things, I stand up here and I do a lot of homework, but it's your responsibility to challenge uh, what I'm going to share, to look in God's word and find out is what I'm going to share line up with God's word. The other verse I want to remind you of is First Chronicles 12, verse 32, speaking of the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the time. And I think that's one of the things as a body that we are called to do is to understand the times that we are entering and that we are in. How many would recognize right now or agree that the world's sort of messed up? Sort of is an understatement. Um, let me just go a little bit further. One thing that's very interesting at this time of the year is to walk through the malls at Christmas time. It's sort of interesting at Costco when you see Christmas decorations, you know Halloween's close. But I love December when you're walking in the malls and you hear Christmas carols. It's the one time of the year that the carols can be played in the stores and nobody seems to get upset. And it was very interesting. I went and had my hair cut yesterday, and the guy who cuts my hair is a Muslim. So I asked him, how was the Christmas tree? Oh, that was great. We were playing carols, and I'm sitting there trying to rationalize this or understand this. How is it that as a Muslim, you're playing Christmas carols? But we know that he's listening to the words, and I think it has an impact on people. How many notice that people have a sense of anticipation at Christmas? And there's a sense of joy and a sense of giving. And we see this on Christmas cards. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The child speaks of our Lord's humanity. The son speaks of his deity. But we have to put this in context. And it says, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Christmas is one big celebration for Christians. The Lord gave us his son that we might live forever. Another big holiday for us is Easter, but how many notice that that doesn't get as much of a play in people's lives? Not the same type of celebration. The key thing for you and I 
is to recognize that at Christmas we celebrate the birth of our Savior. But yet, as we look at his first coming, we need to remember his life, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection. He came that you and I might live. And throughout the Old Testament, prophesied that he would come. Micah 5.2 But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. And in Matthew, we read the fulfillment. Matthew 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And Herod calls the priests, and they answer. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, Matthew 2, verse 5, For thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judea, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And one of the things for you and I to understand is there were a lot of prophecies in the Old Testament regarding our Lord's first coming. Matthew has 38 references saying, thus it was fulfilled. It was in that type of context. Luke, or Mark, has about a half a dozen. Luke has about six. And even John, the Gospel of John, has nine, where it says, thus it was fulfilled. As we look at our Lord's life, we need to recognize that everything he did when he was here was to fulfill prophecy. Even the miracles. When the disciples of John came to Jesus, Jesus said to them, Go tell John, the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear. Why? Because that was what was prophesied in the Old Testament. That's why Jesus did miracles. Over 300 of them regarding his first coming. What are the odds that one person could fulfill these miracles? You and I need to remember that the Old Testament was translated into Greek by 270 BC. It's called the Septuagint version. All the quotes that you see in the New Testament when they're quoting the Old Testament are actually coming out of the Septuagint. The Septuagint is just a fancy way of saying seven. Because there are 70 Jewish scholars that translated the Bible. And there are over 300 prophecies detailing the coming Messiah. It's actually 333. So what are the odds of one person fulfilling them? We're only going to look at eight prophecies. Micah talks about in Bethlehem. What are the odds of someone being born in Bethlehem? Turns out to be and these are very conservative numbers, one in a hundred thousand. How many kings have come in on a donkey? I only know of one, so let's say one in a hundred. 
How many have been betrayed for 30 pieces of silver? Maybe one in a thousand. I'm sparing you a lot of math, by the way. How many have been betrayed in the temple, had the money given to the potter, etc.? One in a hundred thousand. How many have had wounds in the hands? One in a thousand people. How many have given no defense even though they were innocent? Maybe one in a thousand. How many died with the wicked and were buried with the rich? One in a thousand. How many were crucified? By the way, what's interesting reading Psalm 22, describing crucifixion, that was 700 years before crucifixion was invented. And yet David prophesied that. So we actually end up, if you add uh, the numbers up, it's one chance in 10 to the 28th power. So that's a big number. An estimate is that there's been altogether about 100 million people since Adam and Eve. You subtract that from the 10 to the 28th, and you end up with 10 to the 17th. These numbers are really hard for you and I to wrap our heads around. That just sounds like a big number. Governments seem to don't understand numbers either based on the size of our deficits. But let me see if I can put this in context for you. I want you to picture the province of Alberta, and we're going to take loonies, and we're going to pile them up 25 inches deep, or 64 centimeters. I'm going to mark one of them with an X, and I'm going to give you a magic helicopter. We're going to stir all these coins, and you're going to be able to fly all over the province. You're going to land somewhere, reach in, and pull out that one coin that's marked with an X. How many think you could do it? You would. This is just eight of the prophecies. Let's go to 16. Of the 300, we're going to assume no decrease in likelihoods. We're now at 10 to the 56th. Take away all the people. 10 to the 45th. Now I need a pile of loonies. And we need to create a ball that will reach to the planet Uranus. I give you a magic spaceship. We're going to mark one loony. And you're going to be able to fly through this ball and find the one marked with an X. Any takers? Let's go to 48 of them. Now we're going to get the 10 to the 157th power. We can no longer use loonies. We have to use atoms. We're going to make a ball of every atom in the universe, 10 to the 66th. We're going to make one of those balls for every atom in the universe, which is another 10 to the 66th. And we're going to repeat that for every second since the universe began. 10 to the 17 seconds. And we're still short by 100,000. Pardon me, 100 million. That's just 48. 
So quite often people ask, why do you believe? Because mathematically, Jesus is who he said he was. He fulfilled over 300 prophets. There's a reason why I have notes keeps me on track. That was his first coming. Here's our challenge. We are being plunged into a period of time about which the Bible says more than about any other period in history, including the time that Jesus walked on the earth. There are approximately 31,100 verses in the Bible. 8,362 of them are prophetic. Dealing with 1,817 predictions on 732 different matters. And there are over 500 prophecies regarding the second coming. I get asked this question, when is the second coming? The answer is we don't know. Matthew 24, 36, but of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. His disciples asked Jesus, when is your second coming? Jesus says, only the Father knows. Well, one of the things that Jesus says is we are to understand the signs of the time. Some key chapters that we should look at are Matthew 24 and 25, Mark 13, Luke 21. Because the disciples asked Jesus specifically, what are the signs of the coming? And Jesus outlines them. One of the key passages in Matthew 25 was the parable of the ten virgins. Five of the virgins were foolish. They weren't looking for the Lord's second coming. Five were wise. They were. Because as we live today, we have to look at our trends that are going on in the world. Scripture says there would be a departure from the faith, end times apostasy. How many have seen that happen? Alternative religions in the end times, the new age, atheism, evolution, Mother Earth. Good grief. It's gotten so crazy. Anything goes, end times moral decline. We live in a very dysfunctional society. Tolerance for the new golden rule. This one is interesting. We're supposed to tolerate everything except for views that don't align with our own. And there is absolutely no tolerance for Christians. Steady deterioration of religious freedom. Laws. And religious beliefs not being allowed, for example, in public institutions. I remember going to school a long time ago, but we would read the Bible every morning, say the Lord's Prayer. And I all got banned. And then we watched society deteriorate. The rising persecution and martyrdom of Christians around the world, and it is happening in North America. These are trends that the scripture prophesies. 
they're happening today. Marriage and the family unit, undermined by the media and ridiculed by the entertainment industry. You watch any show today, for the most part, they just ridicule families. There was a recent study saying that for women, they're as likely to be unfaithful as for men. Why? Because all of the shows say it's inevitable. And we're being indoctrinated by the media. E-madness, the escalation of cyber attacks and cyber warfare. And the growing nuclear and electromagnetic pulse threat. Most of us don't realize that all it would take is one EMP pulse. And all of these would no longer work. I think our whole society would come to a screeching halt. People wouldn't know how to talk to each other, because we don't already. We are so dependent on these things. And it's a very dangerous thing. Israel and the Middle East conflict. Our media here in North America doesn't share much about what goes on in the Middle East. But there is lots that we should be aware of. Israel is still God's chosen people. God is not finished with Israel. You can read Ezekiel 38 and 39 and see where Russia and the Arab countries come against Israel and they're wiped out. Interesting passage. Every time the Muslims try to invade Israel, they lose more land. Study the wars. The Yom Kippur War. The Six-Day War. And see how God's hand was on every aspect of that. They are ready to rebuild the Jewish temple. They could do that in a, in a three-month span. They have everything prepared. The coming cashless world. Really interesting to watch how many young people don't uh, use cash anymore. Everything's on a debit card or a credit card. And as a society, be aware that in the next two years we're going to have a debt crisis like we've ever seen before. It's all going to come to roost here shortly. Biometrics and the loss of personal privacy. There are already people who are getting chips injected into their hands. And in their arms, so they don't have to carry a debit card. They go, well, this is safer. There's a loss of personal privacy. And they can do everything you're doing. And globalism on the horizon, that's what this climate change thing is all about. A way to create a global government, one world government, and transfer wealth. And in Hollywood's message, how many have noticed Hollywood's got a fascination with zombies? Walking Dead and all the rest. In the Old Testament, there's a term called the Rephaim. Literally, the walking dead is what Rephaim translates to. 
the ghosts of the dead. Hollywood's fascination with aliens. And preparing us for demonic activity. And other gods, the Nephilim, the Titans, the Anin, the Zamzuman, all spoken of in scripture. Don't you guys look forward to all the time you're going to spend in the Old Testament finding all of this? I share that because these are trends you and I should be aware of. You and I need to be like the sons of Issachar and understand the signs of the time. It is my personal belief that our Lord is coming very soon. Matthew 24 says, As in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man comes again. And if you study the days of Noah, one of the key characteristics is the fact that the earth was filled with violence. And that is the one thing that's characteristic of our society today, is violence. There's physical violence, there's war. But there's also verbal violence. You can't have a debate with someone any now, uh, anymore. If they're losing the debate, they use slander. And people aren't interested in truth. The earth is filled with violence. How many would agree? As in the days of Noah. And there's much more that ties into that. So you and I need to spend time in the Bible and see exactly what God says is going to happen. Because the key thing for us is as we study Scripture is to realize God is in control. That is so important for you and I to recognize. God is in control. First Thessalonians 4 For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the, an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. You go back to Acts, the book of Acts, Jesus went up and was taken in the clouds, right? And the angel said, that's exactly how he's going to come back. And I personally believe this. If we are looking forward for a second coming, we will be spared the tribulation that he will take us out all around. I believe that. Scripture speaks of it. And I have to rest my hope in that. Titus 2.13 Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. That is where our hope is. 1 Peter 3.15 But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. One of this verse refers to sharing the gospel message. But I think it also refers to why are we not going to be afraid of what's coming. We are trusting in the Lord our God. Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy 
and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You and I need to rest in his strength and in his spirit. Revelation 22.20, second last verse in the scripture. He who testifies to these things said, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen, even so come, Lord Jesus. When I was looking back at the history of Foursquare, Amy Semple McPherson outlined it, and this is where we get the term Foursquare from. Jesus our Savior, Jesus our healer. Jesus our baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And the one that we don't talk about enough, Jesus our soon coming is he is coming soon. And I just pray that we are aware of the time and that we're like the wise virgins waiting for the Lord and well prepared.